Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Hello again. We are in a series called Daring Faith, as you can see, and uh, this is our third week. I hope uh, many of you have been tracking along. We have small groups that are built around this theme, and uh, I think 20, 22 small groups going on. There is a study guide that you can pick up in the lobby that every day you can do a devotional around this topic of faith, daring faith. And uh, I've been excited about this because... uh, you know, faith is, we do nothing really without faith. We, we make no moves in this life. We, we don't move forward in our spiritual lives without there being an element of faith in, in what we do. And so uh, we're going to look today at imagination. What part does imagination play in faith? Uh, in your small groups this week, you're going to unpack this. And so uh, I know you're going to be a part of that. Over in Proverbs 23 and verse 7, we read this, For as he, as a man or a woman, thinks in his heart, so is he. Whatever you think, pretty much, about what and who you're going to be, that is pretty much who you are and who you will be. And uh, so let's pray, and we're going to jump into this. You've got a fill-in in your handout. I do this every week, and that way you can track along with me, and it keeps me on task so I don't have those lines of consciousness or flows of consciousness where I just stream out there. So uh, take, that, take that out and follow with me. You should have a pen, too, and that way you can keep me on track, too. Hey, that's not in the handout. Wait a minute. So uh, let's pray, and we'll jump in. Father, thank you so much for some time together today. I ask for your help. Lord, in my weakness, that uh, you would come and, and give me the gift of teaching for the next bit of time. We are, Lord, on an expedition. We are on a journey, an adventure in faith to know you better, to follow you a little more obediently, Lord, and to discover our lives in respect to what you have in mind. So we ask for you to help us today, bring your word alive in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I can't imagine not being able to imagine. How about you guys? Can you imagine that? <laughs> I mean, do you dream? Do you think? Do you, uh, are there things that you want to see happen in your life? Or are there things that you hope you can experience? Uh, maybe there's some character uh, property, you know, of personality part of you that you really want to see improve. Or maybe there's some discipline in your life. Or maybe there's something with your business or your family or your relationships and you go, I really wish it was this way. Do you see what you, how you want it to be? Do you, do you have an idea of what that looks like? That's imagining. And in the beginning, I think God, uh, it, it's called, uh, theologians call it the foreknowledge of God. And that is that God knows, of course, everything. But when he created the world, the world you know, and he spoke it into existence, he foreknew everything he was going to do. So I think in a... Human terms, the best way I know to understand that is that God even had this image of what he wanted. It wasn't just, you know, 
you know, throw some stuff up against the wall and let's see what happens in creation. No, God had this design. Because everything is so finely put together, it, it's, it's got a plan, it's, it's, it's got a purpose, there's genius behind it. And so there was some, you know, imagining and thinking it out and, and, and probably planning. And then he just, God's God, he speaks it and it happens. But he had a foreknowledge, he knew. And uh, in your handout this morning, the first uh, few things I want to deal with is, uh, the topic just says imagination, but this this is very true. And your first feeling is this, is there are some things we should not imagine. There are some things we don't want to give our thoughts to. Some things we don't want to dwell on. Some things we don't want to give ourselves the time and the brain muscle to. We Because, you know, you can only do so much with what you got, you know, so you want to use it. You want to use it wisely. And one of those things that uh, we don't want to use our imagination for is worry. Worry. Now, I know it's easier said than done because uh, you don't you don't have much of a choice, do you? Suddenly you find yourself worrying. It's like it slips up on you. Uh, in the Bible, in Philippians 4 and 6 through 7, we've given these words, do not be anxious, that is, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which when you're worrying, there is no peace, is there? It's like it circumvents, it hijacks peace. So there is no peace, so Paul is going like, hey, you know, don't worry about it. You give your every situation in prayer to God with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends, it doesn't make sense, all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. And that is, you'll put a sentinel, the way that the, it's put together here, is God will put a guard up against your heart, and he will put a guard or a sentinel up in your mind to guard you from worrying. As you give it all to God, then when the worry begins to press on you, that guard steps up and goes, you're not getting in here. Back off. Now, you may see the worry. It's flying over your head, but you don't have to let it make a nest, right? And that guarding, as you talk to God, as you give your imagination to a good God, then, uh, you know, the sentinel, the guard of your thoughts, the guard of your emotions, pushes it back. And really, in worry, what good comes out of worry? I'm not talking about consideration when you're planning and you're trying to think, if I do this, this could happen, and I'm working my way through a process of how to get something done, and there's challenges. Not that, but when worry overtakes us and we fret. I know everybody in here knows what I'm talking about. You know, when you just, you, you lay down at night in your head, it, it, the train won't stop, and it's like an ugly locomotive, <laughs> you know. It's full of worry, and it's about to fall apart, and it comes down the track, and you get on it. But there's another beautiful train coming down the track that uh, we should get on. And so worry is that bad one. And it's like we have to take it captive. We have to submit it and give it to God. So we don't want to give, we don't want to give our imagination over to worry because once we start thinking that way and worrying that way, it just builds momentum. Jesus, Jesus even said this. He says, can any one of you by worry add one hour to your life? Does it, will it add some time to your life? Is it going to make life better for you? It may, take, it may take some off if you worry too much. And so we don't want to give our imagination. And again, that's not, I'm not talking about planning. I'm not talking about looking at, I've got a plan for this and this happens and all that. That's just good, you know, good analysis 
and good looking uh, in a mature way toward the future. But when it wraps you up and it takes you hostage and that's all you can think about is the negative part of it. And I'm never going to make it and this isn't going to happen and I'm going to lose everything and my family's splitting apart and blah, blah, blah. You know, and on and on and on and builds momentum. Your imagination runs rampant. That's not what we want to give our imagination to. Another thing we don't want to give our imagination to is lust. Lust. And uh, Paul says that we should put to death lust. That means that we, Paul in the Bible, uh, the great apostle, and that is that you can't just let it kind of wander around because it's there. You, ha- you actually just have to take it and kill it. You know, when it, comes to, when it comes to your mind, when it comes to wanting to take your imagination, and listen, I understand, we live in a completely sex-saturated culture. You can't turn the television on, you can't ride down the road, you can't listen to a song, you can't do anything without it having something to do with sex and somehow sew into this whole issue of lust. And, uh, but Paul says you can take it and you can kill it you know, before it takes over your imagination. And you circumvent those things. You just don't go there. You go to bed at night. You think illicit thoughts, things that you should not be thinking. And it's robbing you of the great dreams. It's taking away from you the opportunity to be able to see beauty and good things down the road. And yes, you can take those captive. You can take those back. You can put to death the thoughts of lust. Another thing we don't want to give our imagination to is revenge. That's easy, isn't it? Somebody does you wrong. And, uh, and you're like really upset, and boy, we can really get creative on how to get back at people. Everything from, you know, uh, just passive-aggressive stuff or to, you know, silly things like, well, I'm just going to unfriend you, you know, or well, let me get creative and find an example where I can describe what this person, how they just talked to me, how I can describe how much I totally detest and going to dismantle every part of them on Facebook, you know, and, and finding revenge. or I mean, we can get extremely creative and subversive. And uh, it's amazing how creative your imaginations are, isn't it? Because you've thought of some very creative ways to torture people, haven't you? I know you have. I just want to pull their fingernails out and stuff like that, you know. I mean, you know, if you took that imagination, imagine if you took that great creativity and you turned it into something good. Because God says, look, don't seek revenge. Don't seek revenge on people. He said, leave some room for me. If that person really has done something awful and evil, God says, I'll get to them if they don't turn. I'll take care of it. Leave some room for me. That's what God says about revenge. Leave me a little room to move in that person's life. And so giving our imagination over to worry, giving our imagination over to lust, filling our thoughts and, uh, and with revenge, it just it takes over the very wonderful creative part of our lives that can lead to a deeper faith and help us. Uh, you know, we need all the help we can and tools we, we can get our hands on in order to deepen our faith in Christ and to realize how much God loves us and has called us to follow Him. So why spend so much time on talking about imagination? Uh, this is your first, the next Uh, fill in is this imagination shapes your life imagination shapes your life oh wait a minute I jumped ahead I'm sorry there are some things I'm wanting to move on see Uh, there are some things we we shouldn't imagine let me back up again hold on Dustin (laughs) 
And there are some things we cannot imagine. Let me back up. I'm jumping to fill in again. There are some things we cannot imagine. And that is like God. I mean, I know they call theology the study of God or study about God, but you really can't do that, can you? I mean, we, we learn about him. We, we know about him. But we can't really understand or fathom or imagine the greatness of God. Not completely. We can't do it. He's so immense. He's so wonderful. He's so fantastic that there is no way for our imagination to even be able to touch how awesome he is. What the, what the amount of love that you think he has for you, you can't fathom. It goes beyond what amount of love you even think. It goes beyond that. His care, the future he has, all of that, it's, we try to imagine. We have stories and we read Jesus' life and we see how he loved people and how he ministered to people and we imagine. But really imagining all of who God is? We can't do it. And you know what? Another thing we really can't imagine is the kingdom to come. Some of you call it heaven. I like it the kingdom. You know, when the kingdom of God comes fully, and that is when God has his full rule and reign in our lives and, and on the earth, and when he comes back and, and when everything is put to rights. I mean, we've got a small view of what that's like by watching Jesus' life in the Gospels of what that looks like, the kingdom. We've got a small view of after the resurrection of Jesus, what he looked like in the body that he had after the resurrection and how he behaved. That's our view into what it's going to be like when heaven comes. But that's it. So we can't imagine. Matter of fact, the scripture says, you can't imagine what God has for you in the future, in eternity. But we try, but we can never really imagine completely and accurately. So there are some things we shouldn't imagine, some things we cannot imagine, and there are some things we should imagine. There are some things we should give our imagination, our thoughts to, our creativity to. Over in Philippians 4 and verse 8, we read, Fix your thoughts on what is true and good and right. Think about things, give your imagination to, things that are pure and lovely and dwell on the fine good things in others. Things about all, think about all you can praise God for and be glad about. Think on those good things. Use your imagination. Those are the things that we should spend our time on. True, good, right, pure, and holy if you're battling, if you're battling with lust and you're in a marriage, you know how you take that hostage? You circumvent that with the good, pure, and holy things of life, like your spouse, the good, pure, and holy things that your spouse is like, and how God has used them and worked through them. And you just you can put to death lust and you free the life of God in that relationship with your imagination. If it's revenge and anger towards someone, instead you think, surely you can find one thing. Well, they are a human being. Okay, they are a human being. You know, they have the image of God, the Imago Dei in them. I can't stand them, but somewhere underneath there is the image of God. Okay, God, you create them. They're a creation of yours. You know, maybe they're not what they should be, but I see your thumbprint on their life. That holy, beautiful, perfect thing that you had in mind in the beginning. And I'm going to think about that. 
I'm going to dwell on that. And then you know what you'll do? You'll start praying for them. God, help them just help them be everything you've ever wanted them to be because you have such a great plan for them. And you know what? Your affections will change. Your, your uh, forgiveness quotient will increase. You'll be able to forgive quicker and in a deeper way to someone when you begin to pray for them and you begin to see that there is something good there. It doesn't mean you've got to be great friends. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> That's another sermon. But, uh, you, you know, that is how we take our minds, our imagination, this gift that God has given us, and we use it the right way. And so, uh, you know, there are things, again, there are things that, uh, that we shouldn't imagine, things that we cannot, and things that we should. Then why work so hard on this issue of imagination? This is your next fill-in, and that is because our imagination shapes our lives. Imagination shapes your life. We read the scripture in the beginning. This is our text for today, and that is that for as you think in your heart, you know, so are you. What you give your mind to and what you think about, what you meditate on, what you give your thoughts and your creativity to is what you become. If you want to be something different, if you want to feel different, if you want to act different, it starts there. It starts as you begin to think uh, the way and, uh, that God wants you to think. If you think, I can't, I'll never, I'll never, I'll never, you are 100% right. You are absolutely right. If you just keep going, I'll never, I'll never, I'll never. That's true. That's very true. But most of the time, the people that go, I will, I will, I will, that's true too. It really is. And so giving your imagination over to something will shape your life around that. It will form a certain mindset, a certain way of living, a certain way of looking at life, the grid in life, And it can be either good, creative, and wonderful, and pure, and holy, or it can be bad, and it can disrupt your life. It can taint everything and color it in such a way that you just don't enjoy it like God wants you to. Proverbs 4.23 says, carefully, carefully guard your thoughts because they are the source of true life. There's the guard word again. We're seeing it over and over again, aren't we? Guard it. Don't let... Don't let the wrong thing in there. Guard it, guard it, guard it. Albert Einstein, pretty smart guy, right? I mean, yeah. Albert Einstein, who, uh, wow, says this, Imagination is more important than knowledge. Logic will get you from A to B. Imagination will take you everywhere. There's no limit to imagination. The true sign of intelligence is not knowledge, but imagination. It is indeed a very powerful, powerful gift God has given us. George Lucas. Thank God for George Lucas. (laughs) (laughs) Hallelujah. That's right. (laughs) Extend your hand toward the West Coast. Okay. Uh, George Lucas says, you can't do it unless you imagine it. You can't do it unless you imagine it. And I absolutely love Walt Disney, his comment, uh, You should watch some of uh, the documentaries on him. What a man. Uh, Disneyland will never be completed. It will continue to grow as long as there is imagination left in the world. Well, I could say the same thing about the kingdom of God. It continues to grow. Our faith continues to 
to deepen. It's not over because you prayed a prayer. You know, you just took the first step into the journey and the adventure of life. It all started then. So, you know, the question is, what's in your imagination? What's in your imagination? Number two, why I give so much time to imagination and is because imagination, your, your next fill-in, fuels our faith. Imagination fuels our faith. All through the scripture, there are uh, stories, there are parables that Jesus used, there are traditions. All of these are used to stir up our imagination to see who God is and to see how he works. Let me just give you a few examples. Does anybody know what's in this little bottle? Some of you from a more maybe Pentecostal background should know what's in here. This is uh, oil, right? You know that uh, in the Old Testament, uh, the priest, well, you go back to the Old Testament, and when the priest was being separated for service, they would take an urn of oil and they would pour it over his head. And it would go across his hair down to the points of his beard and go on his robe. And it was a picture of God's presence, of his Holy Spirit being on the priest. And so the oil was a picture of anointing, of power, of calling. So it was used for imagination. There was no power in the oil, right? This is not magic oil. You don't order online magic oil. I know you've seen the ads. Pure, you know what, all right? It is part for your imagination to use to go, this is how much God has come to earth in the Holy Spirit to touch you. Now, in the New Testament, everyone's called, every believer of Jesus is a priest. Every single person has the presence of God, the oil on them and in them, the Holy Spirit. Jesus said the Holy Spirit was so important, he had to go back to the Father so the Holy Spirit could come. This is, you get this? You see, God knows we need pictures to use in our imagination so we can imagine how great and awesome this is. That's just one, okay? Last week, uh, we had a baptism in the third service. This always gets slimed. Uh, <laughs> We had a couple, a few people baptized over here in the third service. What is baptism if it is not an offer for you to imagine what Christ has done in his own death, burial, and resurrection, as well as ours? As well as ours. And that when we come to Christ, our old self stands before God and goes, you know what? My old self will not. It's not going to satisfy you, God. It's just not. But as I die in Christ, as Jesus comes into my life, I go into the waters of redemption. I go into, I'm buried. My old life is buried in Christ. And then when you come up out of the water, that water is a picture of Christ cleansing you completely. And you stand before your witnesses in the world a new person. Now, unless you use your imagination, all it looks like is somebody's getting wet. But if you use the imagination God gave you in the context of why he gave it to you, you will forever remember your baptism. I remember mine. Easter, 
an Easter Sunday night sometime in the 70s. don't remember the exact year now, but I do remember going in the water and coming out of that water and looking up and expecting seeing the light come forward and going, this is it, this is it, this is it, and out of the water and going, new life. The old has passed away and the new has begun. And every time I feel like my, my, my conscience or something is being hijacked by something like the devil comes along and tells you you're worthless, you can't make it, you've screwed up too many times, I go right back to that baptism and I go, oh, no, 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 no. I went down in the grave. He cleansed me and I came up a new person. Imagination is powerful to fuel our faith. We're going to take communion in two weeks. What is communion if it is not a beautiful picture for us to imagine of what Christ has done. We take the bread, we hold it in our hands, and we go, this is the body of Christ, broken, right? And I always take that cracker, and I just snap it so I can hear that. So it takes me back so I can at least get a thought of what he went through for me and how his body was broken for me and his blood was spilt for me and cleansed for me. And I'm right back there. I'm at that point in life where I know that my sins have been forgiven. And and there's this joy, overwhelming joy, because of imagination. God has given us this tradition of communion so that we can be there. And so if we just go, what's the deal? You got a little grape juice. You got a little micro cracker, you know, and, and, and like that. I don't get it, you know. Well, we don't get it if we don't use our imagination. But God knows it's powerful. God knows he gave us an imagination and it's powerful when we use it. It fuels our faith. I mean, God took Abraham, right? Out, out onto, at night, 90 years old, some 95, 97 years old. No children. Abram, he was called. And God looks at him and he says, go outside and look up at the stars. And he goes, that's going to be your family. You're going to have that many. Well, he hadn't had one child yet, right? What was God doing? Playing with his imagination, saying, you need to think a lot bigger. <laughs> then he takes him down, you know, he takes him in the desert, and he's looking out at all the sand and on the shore, and he goes, that's your family. And I'm going to change your name right now. All of this is for the imagination for Abram to be able to realize he was going to be Abraham, the father of a multitude. He changes his name. He gives him a picture to see, to imagine. And Abraham is off. His wife, Sarah, laughs, or Sarai at the time. She laughs, you know, because she says, I'm almost 100 years old. I'm not having a baby. Well, God got the last laugh. (laughs) Names him Isaac, you know, laughter, and uh, here we go. So imagination fuels, fuels our faith. And imagination, your next one is, fights fear. It fights fear. In Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. He can do more than we can ever ask or imagine according to his power, not ours, at work within us. To him be the glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. When we become afraid, we don't have what it takes. We need to imagine who is involved in our life. Because God can do more than we could ever ask or imagine. It's not just all up to us. In Romans 8, 15, Paul says, For you, you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave to fear. You get this? You are not given a spirit that leads you to be a slave to fear anymore. But you have received the spirit of sonship, of daughtership, 
of daughterhood, and by him we cry, Daddy, Father. Do you get the imagination what he's playing on right there? He's saying, look, at one time you were taken hostage by your fears, but that's not you anymore. Now you have a relationship with a God who has freed you. You are not to be a slave anymore to your fears. Imagine that you have the greatest, most awesome father, better than any father who has ever fathered, ever, father, ever, 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 greater than we can imagine. That is your father now, and he is so close to you, and he is so powerful, you can call him Abba, Daddy. That's a heart cry, Father, to him. So whenever fear begins to overcome me, and I want to run to somewhere, and I want to find refuge, I realize my father, he's there. And I get that picture, Abba, 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 Father, Daddy, Father. Use that imagination to remind yourself that you are loved and cared for by God. And your last one, four, is imagination is fueled by God's word and the Holy Spirit. It's fueled by his word. If we want to fuel our imagination then we want to know. We want to know the stories. And how many times did Jesus... You know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is a narrative. If you read, especially Mark, if you read the book of Mark, just read it straight through. It's it's the shortest one. Read the book of Mark just straight through, no verses, no chapters. Don't stop. Just read it straight through as a novel. Straight through. Just like someone was taking you through it and watch the stories... And watch what Jesus does in trying to reveal himself to you. How he, how he did what he did. How he cared for people. And uh, that's how we feel this. You have the holy presence of God living in you if you're a Jesus follower. It is so powerful and so important for you that Jesus said, i got to get out of here. Remember that? Looking at his disciples. Those three chapters in John, the Gospel of John. He looks over at them and says, look... The Holy Spirit, yeah, He can come upon you, but He's going to be in you. He's going to reside actually in you. So I got to (laughs) go. I got to go. I can be in one place at one time, but the Holy Spirit is going to be in all of you. You have the very presence of Almighty God. The Scripture says you have the same power of God that raised Jesus from the dead residing in you. And the place went quiet me yes you same spirit that's in Billy Graham same spirit that brought Jesus out of the grave anytime your imagination wants to rob you and hijack you and take you somewhere the Holy Spirit has come living inside of you to comfort you to teach you it says to be there with you we have a resource an eternal unlimited resource within us of the Holy Spirit. Do you talk to the Holy Spirit? Do you ask Him to help you? He will help you pray. He will comfort you. He'll help you with your imagination. See, if we want to see our imagination used the way that God intended, then we need to read this. We need to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to enlighten us. And you know what? The Holy Spirit leads you on a grand adventure. I want to give you this story and we'll close it out. But over in Acts 16, Paul is, you know, Paul, if you don't know, was a murderous Jewish uh, leader. He killed Christians. He sawed them down. He killed them, stoned them. He had 
legal papers that gave him the right to do that. And then Jesus apprehended Paul and turned him into the super apostle of all time. I mean, what a life, what a testimony, right? Paul is so excited that he goes out and he begins to preach. And you think, well, once you come to Jesus, just go preach everywhere. Do everything you can. But listen to this story in Acts 16.6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. The Holy Spirit can tell you, no, 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 don't go there. Don't do that. Can give you wisdom, can warn you. From preaching the word in the province of Asia, when they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus, same thing, Spirit, Holy Spirit, would not allow them to. You see that? So they passed by Mycenae and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready and at once and we left for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Not to those two other groups at that time, but to another group. Developing a relationship with the Holy Spirit will keep you from a whole lot of sorrow and misstepping. And it will enlighten you in such a way that you will be able to dream the dreams God has for you. So what's in your imagination? What do you think on? What do you dwell on? What does God have ahead of you that you need to give your creativity to? Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.